Thanks for joining us for this week's message here at NAPNAS. We're glad you could tune in with us. We pray that as you listen, you walk away from this podcast encouraged, inspired, and uplifted by the power of God and His Word. Good morning, church. <laughs> I'm not even going to try again. <laughs> um, as, as, as many of you know, as, as many of you know, um, I, I'm an intern around these parts. Uh, we haven't made that a secret and everything. And one of the, one of the pleasures of being an intern is that I, I get to learn, I get to sit back and observe, I get to see how everyone reacts to different things. And um, over the last several months, I, I've learned a lot about our lead pastor, Chip. And uh, as, when he told me I was preaching this week, I'm like, you know, you know Chip, I'm, I'm going to get up there and I'm just going to roast you. I mean, I've just learned so much. I just got all of this stuff that I could just say against you. And he's like, hey, man, look, you, you can preach, but if, if you don't roast me, then maybe I'll give you one more opportunity to preach after this week. I'm like, ah, okay. So I'm not, I'm not going to roast him. I could tell some of you were pretty excited to get a little bit of dirt on the pastor. I will say this, though. Um, I, I want to share something that I have learned uh, while being on this internship. One of the biggest things I've learned, as exampled by Pastor Chip, is you need to surround yourself and trust those around you who, who have strengths in areas that you simply don't have. I guess that's why he has so many people on staff. There we go, all right. Hey, we've been, we've, uh, we've been jumping into this series, um, In the World, and Chip has been walking us through this, this foundation that a Jesus follower's relationship with the world is a live in, not of, but sent into. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. And yet as Christians, we are sent into the world. And it's this position that provides a framework for bringing the kingdom of Jesus into a broken, desperate, and lost world. And Pastor Chip, he's been walking us through the book of Ephesians little by little. In the first week we discussed, we walked through and we, we saw that it takes discernment and allowing the wisdom of God to be our guide in this world. Not, not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God. And then the second week we discussed in chapter two how we've seen that prejudice, discord, inequality, hatred, Animosity between people groups have been around since the beginning. And the only thing that can mediate this is the person of Christ and the gospel. Then last week, we jumped into the subject of unity. And Pastor Chip showed us what it takes for the church to be one body. And it's only when the church is one body and united is when the world sees Jesus. Ephesians 4 says this, to remind us, starting in verse one, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And it's through these three verses that we see these four characteristics come out. Humility, gentleness, patience, Love, these are the beginning of unity, the beginning of a unified 
church. Because when the church is one, the world sees Jesus. There must be unity among the church. The question is how? And as Pastor Chip alluded to, we, we, we discuss these four characteristics of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. But today I have, I have a, a singular point. It's just a, a one-point sermon. And this one point, I, I, I truly believe from the foundation of it all, affects everything. It's where we begin to learn to live in humility, begin to learn to live in gentleness, patience, and love. And I believe that one point is that we need to continually being, we need to continually be preaching the gospel to ourselves. That's the one point. We must preach the gospel to ourselves always. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I, sit, in, when I sit in a congregation, when I, when I listen to a sermon, um, many times my mind starts to go one way or the next and I immediately think, man, so-and-so, they need to hear this message. Yep, I, this message isn't for that person. This message is for us, for you, for me. We must preach the gospel to ourselves always. Because unity doesn't happen Unity does not happen when we're waiting on someone else to learn to live humbly or with gentleness or with patience or with love. Unity begins when we decide to do this ourselves. Now I can already tell some of you are, some of you are thinking now, man, now I really know someone who needs to hear this message. We must preach the gospel to ourselves always. So if you wanna, if you wanna uh, zone out the rest, that's all, that's, that's the one point. That's all you need to know. If there's anything else, feel free to doze off. Uh, yeah, and you know, Pastor Ken told me he did that. He said that once at a sermon and the youth pastor just walked up and left and never came back. So there's, there's danger in saying that. But um, if, if you stick with me though, through the rest of this sermon, there is something powerful. There's something amazing that comes along with when we understand the power of the gospel, the good news that it brings for us and the impact that it can have on our lives. Because this isn't just about sin management. This isn't just about uh, waiting and bearing and grunting through the current world now. But when we preach the gospel to ourselves, it changes everything in the immediate reality. The gospel means something for us now. So we come to chapter five of Ephesians. And the apostle Paul takes it one step further. He expounds on what it means to live humbly, gently with patience and love as we make every effort to be united in the spirit. Because here's the thing, even for myself, and this, this sermon is as much for me as it is for anybody. One of the pleasures of, of preparing a sermon is that you get broken down well before everyone else does. 
And it's convicting because even myself, I find that I, I struggle in demonstrating these four characteristics, these four words, even to other Christians. I struggle with being humble, with being patient, with being gentle and showing love to even those who I'm supposed to be united with in the spirit. And so if I struggle with this, what does that say about everybody else who isn't a Christian, who aren't one body with with everybody else, who don't have the Holy Spirit and who haven't experienced the amazing grace of God? You know, for them, it just stands the reason that they're just gonna live for themselves. That only makes sense, right? And of course there's gonna be discord. Of course there's gonna be hatred and animosity and prejudice and separation. But for me who has experienced the work and the love of God in his life, for me who has experienced this amazing grace, I still struggle with this. I still struggle. And even though I, I, I claim to have experienced the news that trumps and overcomes all pain and all suffering and all f- unfairness and injustice. And so we come to this verse, this scripture in chapter five. And Paul begins in verse six by saying this, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light and the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We must continually and always preach the gospel to ourselves. In the beginning of this, the beginning of this is understanding the current reality of who we are as Christians. And if you're listening to this now, and if you're sitting here in the room and you're like, man, I'm not a Christian, but I am seeking, or I'm not a Christian, I'm just curious as to what's going on over there. There still is a current reality that you need to be made known of, that there is an option available to you, that that everything changes. And here Paul begins to explain this. He explains who we are now. He explains the present reality and the change that has occurred. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And when we say that you are light in the Lord, it's this understanding that in the Lord is that the Lord is the source of said light. And we know the Lord to be Jesus. You are light in Jesus. And he goes on to say, and so, but with this, and if, if, the, light, if the light is Jesus, and we know that in, first, uh, in John 1, verses four through five, Jesus has come into the world. He is the light. And this light is the life of all men. So we know that Jesus is the source of light. We are children and we are, we, we are light in Jesus. And that light is the life, the true life of men. And Jesus says himself, I have come to give life and life abundantly. The true life, life in its complete fulfillment rests in the person of Jesus who has come that we might have life now and life to its fulfillment for eternity. This is the gospel. This is the good news. 
we are the light. Something has changed from darkness to who we are now. But he continues, live as children of light. Now this word children, it's technos in the Greek. In this, when we use this, when this word is used, it has this connotation that to be a child of the light means that you are walking in, in a close proximity. You are walking in an intimate relationship. You are walking with your father. And you have this intimate relationship with the father. And as children of light, we are, we are bearing and walking with our father. We, are, we have this intimate relationship with him that affects our daily lives. In Ephesians 4, verse 20 through 24, Paul explains exactly what has happened now. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We, as Christians, are created and called to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Something has changed. The current reality of who we are from darkness to light. And then he continues by saying, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, Pastor Chip, he talked about these four characteristics, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and as, as, as children of the light, we know then that this humility, gentleness, patience, and love, it comes from being in pro- close proximity with the light. In the same way that a farmer works and tends and plants in a field, and then the product of that, the fruit that comes from that, is what feeds and provides growth for us. In the same way then, in being close proximity with the source of light, produces the characteristics of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. This is the beginning of unity. Only through an intimate relationship with the light, when we allow the light to be in our lives on a daily basis. Because without the light, without being in the light, we cannot reflect the light. Just as Pastor Ken mentioned earlier, when Moses came down Mount Sinai, he had been with God and he radiated the glory of God from his face. So too are we supposed to be constantly in the light, preaching the gospel to ourselves always. Not waiting for somebody else to preach the gospel to themselves. Not waiting for someone else to learn humility, patience, gentleness, and love for themselves. But we as children of the light are called to be in an intimate relationship with Christ. Just as the moon cannot reflect the sun without being in the light of the sun, we cannot live as children of the light if we don't allow the light to be in us and a part of us. Always. We must always, continuously, never ending, preach the gospel to ourselves. 
But he continues. And he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And so the question is, what are these fruitless deeds of darkness? If we go back to verses six, Paul says this, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And before this verse even, Paul has already listed different things that like, hey, do not be involved in this. Do not be involved with this immorality and this impurity. But here for some reason, he stops the list and he says, do not let anyone deceive you with empty words. Because it's within these empty words that then lead to fruitless deeds of darkness. Empty words, words and actions and works that do not contain the light, that are without Jesus, that are without the gospel. And yet we are told to expose them. But the only way we can, we can expose darkness is if we bring light in the midst of it. And we've already determined and decided that the light is Jesus. The light is the gospel. The light is the good news and the current reality that Christians currently live in. The light is not our own knowledge. The light is not our own opinions. The light is not our own particular ways of living. Because even in this room, there is such a wide variety of opinions. And we all differ in some areas, one or the next. The only way in which we continue to remain united is when the sole source of exposure, the sole source of light is not what you believe to be correct, but it is what Jesus believes to be correct. It is the gospel. For so many of us, we have this desire to expose darkness, which is so good. We're told about it. It's biblical. We need to expose darkness. But so often this involves us condemning, putting forth our own opinions and ideas. When in reality to expose, it can only be done with the gospel. Because let's be honest, when we think about our own salvation, you come to faith, you come to salvation, not because someone came to you and preached their way of living, they, you didn't come to the faith because someone just said, hey, if you live X, Y, Z, man, you'll be good. You didn't come to faith because someone had their opinion and they just said it strongly enough to where they convinced you. You came to faith because someone preached to you the gospel. You came to faith because someone who had experienced the grace of God in their own lives, who understood the power of the gospel, then told that gospel to you. You came to the faith because someone had been radically transformed, had come from darkness into light, and then that person came with the light and showed the darkness into your own life, and that's how you came to your faith. That's how I came to my faith. Because I experienced the light of the gospel, not because someone forced their opinions on me. Only with the gospel, only with Jesus, but this can only be done when we understand the gospel, when we understand the power of the good news because we have preached it to ourselves always. Empty words, let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words separate, they cause factions, they isolate, 
If the gospel is not a part of our message, if the gospel is not a part of how we live, of how we talk, of how we speak and act with one another, then we aren't exposing anything. We might post online. We might have the smartest argument against the decisions being made. We might have the best reasoning on why certain decisions are wrong. But if the gospel doesn't preface, if the gospel doesn't surround, and if the gospel doesn't conclude your message and the way that you are living, you're not expanding the kingdom. You're only isolating yourself. Being right, which I'm sure all of you are, you're all right. Being right, being correct without the gospel means nothing. It only leads to isolation. Do not let anyone with empty words, whether it's the smartest opinion, the smartest reasoning, deceive you into think that this can expose the darkness in front of you. It is only the gospel. It is only the person of Jesus Christ. And we can only do this when we ourselves are in the gospel, when we are in the light, when we are walking as children in the light, when we have allowed it to permeate our very being so that we too can walk as Moses did with the radiance and the glory of God reflecting off who we are. Being right without the gospel means nothing. It only leads to isolation. Through this series, we've, been, we've, we've shared this sentence, live in, not of, but we're sent into. You know, for us as Christians, we obviously, many of us, we, we, we understand that we live in this world. I hope you understand that you are living in this world currently. If you don't, well, we can talk later. That's easy. We get that. We also realize, we also understand that we've been sent. As Christians, we are all on mission. Whether it's here in Napoleon, across the world, or wherever you might be, we, we understand that there is this sending that we've, we've been commissioned with. But what we often forget is that we are not of this world. You know, much in the same way a missionary will live in a foreign country. They've been sent to this foreign country to live, but they're not of that country. The current reality, the current state of that country and the political schema around it and the government and the status of the government and whatnot, that doesn't currently affect their current reality because they have a home country that they can rely upon. If something goes haywire in that country, if something goes wrong, they always have that home country to rely upon. They are not of the foreign country in which they are doing mission. They have one primary function, to be there and to show and to demonstrate and to live out the gospel for those in the country, not to fix the system, not to uh, make sure that their opinions are known on how the government should be run or how people should be living their lives, but to simply demonstrate the gospel. This in turn then changes the way people live, but it doesn't start with us forcing our opinions in that way. And as Christians, we often forget that we are not of this world. We often forget that our current reality is not the current reality of this world. And when we forget this, we live unintentionally, keyword unintentionally. I don't think any of us intentionally live of this world. But when we forget our current reality, 
when we forget to preach the gospel to ourselves always, we end up trying to fix the system. We end up allowing the current realities of this world become our current realities. We try to fix others around us and we try to get them to see that our way of living is the best. Of course it is. You see, when we forget that we're not of this world and when we begin to live unintentionally like we are of this world, we try to get the world to see us and how we are living rather than seeing the person of Jesus and how he lived. When we forget that we are not of this world, it becomes about us and not Jesus. It leads to isolation. It leads to our opinions, our smart ways, instead of the ways of Christ. And when we are of this world, we are no longer living under the unification of the gospel because it's only the unification of the gospel that brings us together. And when we live outside of that, it's all about me. It's, rather, it's all about my ideals, my opinions. Our job isn't to fix the system, but rather to show others that they too can have a different present reality as we all wait for an even greater future reality. If we aren't living in the realities that the gospel has for us, then we become the hypocrites that so many already see us as. We become no different than the rest of the world, trying to force our opinions on the rest of the world. Because we have forgotten to preach the gospel to ourselves always and to be united by it. And you know, if a house was on fire, we wouldn't go into it and begin telling the residents of said house that if they, if they would have just listened to us, if they would have just listened to our ways of living and our own opinions, then the house would have never caught on fire. We don't explain it all to them. No, we go into the house and say, hey, man, I got a way out. And not only do I have a way out, we don't stand in the house and just start explaining X, Y, Z. Well, if you didn't do this, man, this house wouldn't have caught on fire. No. We go in with one primary mission, unified together under the gospel and say, man, if you could experience the gospel, you are going to experience something so great. But as Christians, we often go into the house and we become distracted by the flames of this world. And we're carrying this little bucket of water that we, we think is going to put the fire out. This little bucket of water that we think, man, this will do it. Bucket of water of our own opinions, of our own philosophies, our own methodologies of living. And half the time, it's not even water. We're just throwing some kind of flame thing onto the fire. <laughs> we get concentrated, we get bogged down by the flames and distracted. And we think that we need to fix everything. We think that we can save the house because we've allowed the house to define our current reality. Instead of remembering that we are not of 
this house, that we have something so much greater. And that it's not our job to fix the house because we have a God so big and so loving and so mighty who is in the midst of restoring and reconciling and redeeming that house. It is not our job. Our job is to show the people who are inside the house to not be burned by the flames, but to experience life in its fullness through the light of the gospel. Chip, you know, he, he, in all reality, yeah, he, he's taught me a lot. He has passed down a, a great amount of information to me. And one of the things that he has continually told me to do is continue to read, 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 soak in as much information as you can. And there's this quote by Dallas Willard in a book that you know, Chip recommended to me. And I want to paraphrase this quote for you. He says, oftentimes people wonder if celebrities on commercials actually believe in and use the products they endorse. That very same question though, is even more pressing on us as Christians. Where moral failures, disunity, tension, anger, bitterness, and discord are as prevalent among us as Christians as they are in the world. So perhaps we are the ones who don't believe in nor actually use what we are selling. Even more, what we are selling has become completely irrelevant throughout our daily lives. We must preach the gospel to ourselves always. We must be in the light of Christ always, allowing him to radically transform us from darkness into light so that we can take off our old self, put on the new self and demonstrate and show the world, show the house that is burning down and everybody in it, there is something great going on right now. That the current reality is that you don't have to be in the burning house, but that there's a way out and there's a life to be experienced. You know, Jesus himself says, in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is our current reality. If you are here and you've put your faith in the gospel of Christ, we don't have to be bogged down or distracted by the flames of the world, but we can understand that when we come to Christ, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Find rest in who I am. Find rest in me. These are Jesus's words. And furthermore, that Paul, in this book alone, in Ephesians, he continues to outline the good news of the gospel. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 18 19, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We continue on. Chapter three, verse eight. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless, the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
again in verse 17 and 18. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This as Christians is our present, our current reality, as well as our future reality. Christ himself tells us if we should come to him, we would find rest. But if we aren't preaching this to ourselves on a daily basis, it can become so easy to fall into the ways of the world, using empty words to try and expose darkness, our own opinions, our own methodology, our own philosophies of living, when in reality, it is only the gospel. It will only ever be the gospel. Our God has and is and will continue to redeem, restore, and reconcile this world. And it is only through him that we remain united. This is who we are as Christians. Have you ever noticed that when, when someone receives really, 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 really good news, it doesn't matter how bad their day or their week has been. It doesn't matter how annoying their spouse was a few hours before or how uh, annoying the children were or how bad the coworkers or the boss were. If they've received this really, really, really good news, man, that really good news just overcomes and overwhelms everything else and nothing can take that person off the high cloud that they are currently on. This is us. As Christians today, we have been given the best news of all time. I mean, if someone were to tell you right now that you had a septillion, billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars buried in your backyard about three feet under, guess what you're doing? You're taking a shovel and you're digging it right up. And guess what? It doesn't matter if your house is on fire because you are set. Well, guess what? That septillion, billion, trillion, quadrillion dollars doesn't even come close to the reality of the gospel in our lives today. Our current reality is that we have become light in the Lord. We have become children of the light. And we, can, we, we allow ourselves, I allow myself, I forget this so often. And I allow myself to become distracted, to become bogged down by the simple annoyances of the world as well as the major flames of the world. But what I can't, what I can't forget is that in the midst of the flames, in the midst of the collapsing house, there is a way out. And it's not my job to put the flames out. It's my job to help as many people get out of the house as possible. as long as I'm the light and the Lord. We walk as children of the light only when we sit in the light. Do you believe what you're selling today? Do you actually use what you are selling today? If you claim that you are a Christian, you are claiming that you are experiencing the current reality of God's amazing grace on your life. So the question is, have you allowed yourself, are you allowing yourself to be distracted by the flames around you? Have you gotten distracted in telling everybody in the burning house why they're, why they're wrong and you're right? Have you isolated yourself from the unity that comes from the gospel? We must preach the gospel to ourselves always.
This doesn't mean that we are preaching condemnation to ourselves. Woe is me. This doesn't mean that we're preaching judgment. This isn't simply about sin management. So often we limit the gospel to sin management. And all of a sudden we become the people who are saying, hey, come get your sins forgiven. But we're the ones we're, we're, we're kind of out on the streets. We, we're just waiting for the future reality to come. Well, of course, no one wants to leave the house because we're the homeless ones saying, come control your life with nothing else to live for. But the gospel is present. The gospel is now. We have something that currently is changing us that we can find rest in. And so when I say preach the gospel to ourselves, we get to preach the good news to remind ourselves of the amazing fact that we are children of the God of the universe who wants nothing but good for our lives. And we have the amazing mission not to put out the flames. We have the amazing mission on behalf of God, on behalf of the source of light to say, man, I've got the way out. I've got the way out. And outside there's this freedom. There's life in its fullness. Not to say that it's not going to be troubles because we still live in this world, but we live in this world and we are sent into this world. We are not of this world. The current realities of this world do not define who we are. Our current reality is defined by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe in what you are selling? Do you use what you are selling? And have you allowed the light, the source of light to radically change your life? Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, I ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for forgetting. Forgive me for forgetting the gospel. Forgive me for allowing myself to be bogged down when I feel that I've been treated unfairly. Forgive me for, for forgetting the gospel and, and wanting to convince others of my way of living is the best way of living. Forgive me for isolating myself from the rest of your body. Father, make us one to be your light in the midst of a dark, desperate, broken and lost world. Preaching a reality that is now, that your kingdom is here now. Make us united, Father, to shine the brightest light and make the largest impact. And we pray all this through the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Let's stand and worship. Thanks again for listening in today. And thanks to those who give so faithfully so that together we can continue to be the light of Christ in this generation as you sow into the life and mission here at NAPNAS. If you feel led to give or to learn more about NAPNAS, simply head to napnas.org. There you'll find previous messages as well as everything going on in the life of the church. And if you found value in today's message, would you share this with a friend or on social? Because it is together that we exist to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with the Prince of Peace and King of Hope, Jesus Christ.